Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. Well, God bless y'all. How y'all doing? Man, it's so good to see y'all. I got family here, my wife somewhere where she just stepped out with the baby. Got uh, my, my brother here, Cedric Rainey, all the way from Charlotte, him and his family coming up. You all, man, it's so good to see you. Has this been a week or what? Anybody feel like this week has just been kind of just like, wow, like crazy, just all over the place, just stuff after stuff after stuff after stuff. So you're not alone. Let me, let me, let me help you real quick. Did you know yesterday was the halfway point of the year? Yeah. So, so, so there's a, there's a connotation there that, 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 you know, at the halftime of something, that's probably like some of the worst times it can be, right? You're trying to make adjustments. You're trying to do all kinds of stuff, right? So, so don't be discouraged. I believe that there is a, a word for you all. Uh, I believe that God wants to say something specific to you today. How many believe that? I do. Just based on my week, I no longer, after 27 years of, of doing this, uh, I know I look like I'm 27, but I'm not. Thank you. After 27 years of doing this, I, I, I've come to understand something very critical about ministry. Whenever you're going through something and you're set to minister to a particular group of people, you don't necessarily have to ask why. You should ask who. Who is that for? Uh, so, so based on what I've went through this week alone, I know that someone is in this room and they need to hear exactly what God has given me. Is that all right? Let's pray and let's go ahead and get started. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your clarity. Thank you that you always know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. Father, I ask now that you would just soften our hearts so that we can receive what you want to say to us. Help us to be hearers of your word and not only just hearers of your word, but help us to be doers of your word. Thank you for Pastor Chris. Thank you for Pastor Kim. Thank you for this great church and this great ministry. And we pray that whatever you desire to do in our hearts today, that you would do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Let every heart say amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, my, 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 my son. I appreciate you, man. You're doing a great job. Get your Bibles. Get your Bibles. Go with me to the book of John, chapter number 11. The book of John, chapter number 11. The book of John, chapter number 11. You know, your, your your friends always set you up. He said this is going to be the best message you ever heard. So so now I have to preach. <laughs> he set me up. It's all right. John chapter 11, starting at the first verse, reading all the way down to the sixth verse. You know, last time I was here, you know, I, I was I was trying to read the King James Version in my head, even though the NLT version was up, so I kind of sounded like I was on Hooked on Phonics. But I practiced a little bit. I got the NLT up here, so we're not going to have that issue this morning. If you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't, say, hold on, preacher. 
All right. We're good. I'm, I'm so used to pages ruffling. You know, that's where I came up as a preacher. Now everybody's got an app. Boop, boop, boop. You're there, right? All right. John, chapter number 11, starting at the first verse, reading all the way down to the sixth verse. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair for context. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a text message. No. <laughs> sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed, hmm, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Dog, Jesus. I want to preach and teach from the subject this morning, purposeful procrastination. Purposeful procrastination. No stars, no angels, no shepherds, no wise men, no mention of Bethlehem, Mary, or Joseph. John bypasses all genealogy. He bypasses mangers and nativity scenes and reaches all the way back into the origin of human history and brings up under focus the seriousness of his gospel when he says, in the beginning. Genesis starts... In the beginning, God, not God's beginning, but our beginning. John starts, in the beginning was the word, John 1, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Genesis shows God's absolute authority over all things at all times and all places when he says, let there be John tells us that the word, who is Jesus, amen, was there with God when he said in Genesis, let us make man. The word had a front row seat when God repented the day that he made man and chose Noah to build an ark and start over. The word was there when God chose a little runt by the name of Gideon hiding in a wine press to lead his people in battle against the Midianites. The word was there when Israel begged God for a king and he gave them Saul. The word was there when David was selected by Samuel and showed up to Jesse's house to anoint him. And the word was there when David messed up and saw a woman bathing on the rooftop. And, and the word was also there when God passed on the building of the temple from David to Solomon. 
The word was there when King Xerxes sent Nehemiah to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the word was there when Isaiah said, in the, king, in the year King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. The word was also there when God called Hosea to marry a prostitute as a symbol that he was always married to the backslider. And the word was there when Micah, Malachi, excuse me, uh, and when the priest put detestable meat on the altar of the Lord and God shut up for 400 years and didn't say anything else to a single human being. Can you believe that? The period between where where Malachi ends and when God speaks again is 400 years. And this same word in chapter one, verse 14, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld, as the scripture says, him full of glory full of grace and truth. Hmm. And I want to say this, that some of you may feel like God has forgotten about you. You may have some things going on in your life that don't seem just right, but I'm here to tell you this morning that God is there. The word is still present. Amen? And John is charged with giving the testimony of Christ when he says, prepare ye the way. Now, you got to understand, this guy, John, was, was, was different. He was in the wilderness. He was eating locusts. Can I give you all some locusts to eat today? That's, <laughs> that's, that's what he was doing. He was in the wilderness. He, he had a beard. You know, it was unkept. He was crazy looking, kind of gnarly looking. And this guy was eating locusts. What a snack, right? <laughs> And he is charged with, with telling us, prepare ye the way. There is one who's coming after me, who's, worth, who's worthy, uh, whose shoes, rather, I'm not worthy to untie. In his old age, John begins to see false doctrine and blatant heresy arising in his day. And he begins to pin this gospel so that, those of us that come after him will understand that Jesus is indeed the Christ. Kind of sounds like today, right? How many of us are seeing all kinds of stuff coming out that we're just like, what is that? That's not the Bible. That's not scripture. Say amen. Amen. And this truth has exponential importance. And so, so, so John begins to walk the testimony of Christ all the way down through uh, through his chapters. In, in chapter number two, he proves his power, Jesus' power over quality when Jesus turns water into wine. Now, you do understand that those water pots that he, he used that water to turn into wine were actually bathing pots. Ugh, nasty, right? When you, when you went to those parties back in the day, you washed your hands and you washed your feet, right? And then you entered into wherever this party was. Jesus took those same water pots and turned it into wine. <laughs> Amazing, right? And they said, this is the best wine. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> no, <Nah>, I don't. <laughs> and I don't know what I would have done if I'd have seen water pots get turned into wine, but I'm glad I wasn't there. So in, in chapter 3, he proves his power over religion when he tells uh, Nicodemus that he must be born again of water and of the spirit. And in that moment, he pulled him out of, out of religion into relationship. 
in chapter number four, he proves his power over distance when he heals the nobleman's son and he tells him, go. And when you get there, your son will already be healed. And power in uh, chapter number five, he proves his power over time and distance when he heals a man that was lame at the pool of Bethesda 30 and eight years when he just asked him one simple question, will thou be made whole? Chapter number six, he proves his power over lack and quantity when he feeds 5,000 with two sardines and five loaves of bread. Now, now, when people tell this story, they make you think like it's some big fishing marlin that, that the boy had on, in his lunch bag. No, he had sardines, two sardines and five loaves of bread. In chapter number six, he proves his power over nature when Jesus walks on water. Chapter number eight, he proves his power over our past. When the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, he tells her, go your way and sin no more. Chapter number nine, he proves his power over mis misfortune when he heals a blind man from birth. No one had sinned. No one's sin caused this. It's just a circumstance. Jesus, now I, I hate to gross you out, but Jesus <laughs> spit on the ground, made mud, and slapped it on his eyes. Can Jesus spit on you today? I'm sure he can, yeah. <laughs> but he spit on the ground made mud, and then put it on this man's eyes and told him to go wash. And he sets us up in chapter number 10 when he says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. My sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow. And these miracles happened wherever Jesus went, but there was really no real relationship or previous communication with those who benefited from his miracles. This is key. But in chapter number 11, there is a distinct difference. Jesus had been a house guest of Mary and Martha. And while he was there, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words. And Martha scurried about serving and said to Jesus, don't you care that Mary's just lounging around? She's just kind of sitting around doing nothing, and I'm doing all the work here. And Jesus says to her that Mary had chosen the more needful thing. Now, what I'm, what I'm simply trying to do today is, is paint the closeness of this family to Jesus. The relationship is tight. But yet, right in the middle of a tight relationship, there's a problem. Hmm. We run into that problem in chapter 11 when Lazarus, the one whom Jesus loves, his great friend, is sick. Now, you would think with the love of Lazarus, the worship of Mary, and the service of Martha in his heart and his memory that it would count surely for something. Surely the investment made by them in his ministry meant that they would be eligible for a quick miracle. Hmm. 
My, my. Then Jesus says, <laughs> Jesus says, no, it, it doesn't qualify you or, 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 or put you in a great position just because we have a, a close relationship. Now, how many of you have close relationships, right? And when you call on those close relationships, you kind of expect results, right? Yeah. Right, right. You expect immediacy. You expect something to happen. And so Jesus stays where he is. Hmm. Jesus says to them, hey, this sickness is not unto death, but it is for the glory of God. And I want to tell somebody this morning, whatever you're going through, it is not a death sickness, a death sentence. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. I want to ask you a couple questions. The number one question is, can God get glory out of your life? Hmm. That's what we say, right? And I truly believe you, all right? I'm not, I'm not questioning your answer in any way, shape, or form. The one question that I do have on the backside of my previous question is, do you care how he gets glory out of your life? Can God put you in a situation that looks like a disadvantage hmm. in order for there to become an advantage for his sake? Because that's what glory really is, right? The glory of God is made manifest in our weakness. Oftentimes, we're, we're super strong, right? We got it. We can take care of it. It's our thing. We got it. We're, we're, we're charging and we're ready to go. We're on purpose. But there are certain times in our lives where, where our weakness is an indication of God's strength. Hmm. Hmm. So Jesus says, finally, finally, after a certain point, because the disciples are asking, he gets word, hey, Lazarus is sick. He doesn't move. He gets word again, hey, where are you? What's going on? You should be here by now. He doesn't move. Finally, the disciples start asking all kinds of questions, right? Hey, man, what's going on? Shouldn't we go down here? Shouldn't we be there? He said, hey, listen, I got it. Sickness is not under death, but that the glory of God should be revealed. Hold on. Wait a minute. Then word comes that Lazarus has died. I want to talk to you this morning about situations in your life that you believe are dead. I know I'm preaching good when it gets real quiet. <laughs> it gets real quiet. What situation or situations are you facing in your life that you believe are dead? I want to give props to, to, to Thomas here because when the disciples started talking about going to Bethany, 
you know, the other disciples said, hey, man, hold on. You, you were just there a few weeks ago when they, they pulled out some stones and they were getting ready to stone you. Are you sure you want to go down there? And Thomas says, hey, man, let's go. See, Thomas gets a bad rap. You know, we call him what? Doubting, doubting Thomas. I don't think he's doubting here. Thomas is riding and dying. He's like, hey, let's go. Let's saddle up. Let's get down here. The rest of the disciples are like, uh, I'm not sure. You know, they sought to stone you, so I'm not sure if I want to go with you. But, but, but Thomas is like, hey, man, I'm in it to win it with you. Let's go. And so finally, after that third day, Jesus says, let's go. And when he got there, he was met with all kinds of accusations and questions. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Hmm. Now, Jesus, if you, if you allow me, I, I'm, I am not a lawyer. We do have one in the room. <laughs> but if you will allow me to be your defense attorney, Jesus, if you will allow me for a moment to be your uh, ambassadors, certainly I can provide a sufficient alibi that explains your absence. <laughs> You, you, you're AWOL, but perhaps in your defense, uh, you know, we could bring up other situations that may have held you up. Uh, you had an issue where you were dealing with uh, Jairus and going to visit his daughter. And on, on the way to visit his daughter, a woman came and touched the hem of your garment and you stopped and you dealt with her. And you told her that she was healed. And then you continued on to Jairus' house. Perhaps I can present that as evidence that you might be late, but you'll still show up. <laughs> I, I, maybe I can provide other alibis. But, but, but when I look at the evidence, it suggests that we don't have an alibi. There is no sufficient, there is no solid reason as to why you were not there for Lazarus. The Bible just says he was chilling, just hanging out, just wherever he was. He was just, you know, doing his thing, you know. Hey, not thinking about it. Hey, I, I understand what's going on, but I'm not ready to go yet. The Bible says he was, he was just chilling. What, what do you do when you're having a faith meltdown and it seems like God is just Chilling. <laughs> he gets that word again and he says this sickness is not under death. Two days later, he tells the disciples that Lazarus is sleeping. And then plainly, he tells them later on that Lazarus has died. The first point that I want to make to you this morning is that Worship does not exempt you from waiting. Mm. Ooh. Worship does not exempt us from waiting. Why has God not shown up? I mean, you sat at his feet like Mary did. You worshiped him. But yet he has not shown up. You know how we do worship in church now? You know, it's kind of it's kind of, you know, funny to me as a as a worship leader. I've been playing instruments since I was about nine years old, uh, playing, you know, being a worship leader, all of that stuff. And, I, and I, I've seen so much and I've seen people not necessarily be into worshiping God, but being into worshiping worship. 
And so sometimes God will send a test in our lives to make sure that we are not worshiping the culture. We're not worshiping worship, but we're worshiping him. And he will make us wait even though we check all the boxes. Mm. Some, some people have become professional worshipers. <laughs> and so, so God sends a problem that, that worship can't fix. I know that's rough. I know that's hard. He sends us through something that, that worship can't fix. That no matter how much we worship him, the problem still remains. Am I talking all right to you this morning? <laughs> God designs situations for us to wait. Finally, not just waiting, but how we wait. Listen to this carefully. How we wait proves if we are a son or a daughter of God or if we are a child that needs constant attention from a parent. Have you ever heard, have you ever had to tell your child to wait? What happened? <laughs> right? My two-year-old, she's, she's somewhere in here, right? No, no baby, you can't do that. <laughs> and, and that's how we kind of are in our faith, right? God says, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all can laugh. It's okay. Right? Right? Lighten up a little bit, right? When, when God tells us, hey, hold on, not right now. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. I wouldn't do that. Why? Right? Right? I, I've been there. Trust me. Trust me. What do you, what do you, what do you mean, wait? I've been waiting. <laughs> right? Like waiting on an Uber that didn't show up yet? You know what I'm talking about? Man, why am I waiting this long? Waiting proves, and how you wait, listen, proves if you're a son, a mature son or daughter of God, right? Or if you're a child that needs constant attention. The Bible says what? They that wait upon the Lord shall what? renew their strength so the word renewed this is why every word is important in scripture the word renew means that there is a certain point where you've lost your strength i want to talk to somebody that's lost strength i want to talk to somebody that that is 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 trying to figure out and muster up enough strength to keep going i know you're here or else god wouldn't have sent me wait on the renewal Wait on the renewal. It is okay to lose strength. I know preachers don't preach like that. They don't tell you that. I'm a little different. It's okay, listen, to lose strength. Don't be so wound so tight to believe that you have to maintain the facade. Huh? Of strength. Don't be wound so tight to believe that you have to maintain, especially in the presence of other people, right? When God already knows where you are, right? 
They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The word renew means it is okay for you not to have strength in this moment. He has designed it for you not to be strong all the time. So, 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 so what I hear God saying to our hearts this morning is that he's going to breathe on you a second wind. A second wind. Breathe on you a second wind. How many of you are, how many of you ran at some point in your life like I was a cross-country runner and, and long distance runner you run to a point and then you're just like <sighs> and all of a sudden just keep running and keep running after a while what happens that second wind comes there are some people in this room this morning that are looking for your second wind today is the moment of your second wind amen receive that because God wants you to know that it's okay for you not to be strong. It's okay for you to lose strength. It's okay for you to have a moment. It's okay. But how you have that moment proves what God is going to do. They that wait upon the Lord. I don't know why I got stuck there. But, but, but I need to say that because I sense that strong in my heart for somebody. You have to wait and waiting on God is never a waste of time. It is never, never a waste of time. Amen? Amen. My second point is love, listen, does not stop you from losing. Man, I've suffered some terrible losses. But it didn't, it didn't mean that my love for God diminished because of those losses. Hmm. The Bible says when he heard, therefore, he waited. And the problem went from bad to critical. It is not, listen to me, it is not because God does not love you. That you're waiting. It is not because God does not love you. God's love is unfailing. It is unyielding. It is uncompromising. He loves you so much that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. While I wasn't even thinking about him, he made a way for me to get back to him. That is the love of God. Always standing with his arms open, regardless of my present, past, or current situation. Hmm. The problem is that some of us have been taught that if we are, listen to this carefully, if we are in the will of God, that we will never suffer any losses. And that we would never be in any sort of trouble. That we would never have any sort of problems. But I'm here to tell you the fact that you are in the will of God means that you are eligible for trouble. Mm. Why? Because he is the one that will deliver you out of your circumstance and out of your problem and out of your trouble. 
that's good news. Even in a, it, listen, it doesn't change the fact that I'm in trouble. Help me, somebody. It doesn't change the fact that I'm in trouble, but I know who's coming to my rescue. Mm. And when I know who's coming to my rescue, after I'm done spazzing out, <laughs> I can gather myself and say, okay, God, I'm, I know you got it, right? I know you got it. The problem is that we've been taught that if we're in the will of God, if we're, if we're in the will of God, we'll never be in any trouble, we'll never have any struggle, we'll never have a wilderness season, huh? we'll never endure any sickness, any challenge in our bodies, we'll, we'll never be in a situation where our money is kind of funny, right? So when we come up under extended trouble, right? Extended trouble, we give out under the pressure of the problem instead of embracing the power of perseverance. Mm. Mercy. Point number three service does not eliminate suffering. Ooh. Ooh. I wish y'all was sitting up. I wish y'all was standing here and I was sitting there so y'all could see how y'all looking at me. <laughs> Service does not eliminate suffering. You served like Martha, yet he has not shown up. We must always remember, listen, that God is not a respecter of persons. And that the rain falls on the just as well as the unjust. Amen. And some things are designed for you to have a but God moment. Hmm. This would have happened but God. That would have happened but God. God is interested in forming testimonies. And when he forms testimonies, he often sends us through suffering. Amen? Thank you, Mama. Y'all know that's my grandma back there, right? <laughs> Some things are designed for us to have a but God moment. Some issues are designed for you to say if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. But many of us are frustrated trying to be God. Listen, trying to solve our own problems, trying to heal our own bodies, trying to answer our own prayers, trying to seek our own agendas and trying to stand in for God like a substitute teacher. <laughs> when the only thing that we should be doing is encouraging ourselves to understand that God is sovereign. What does that mean? He reigns over everything. Sovereign. He is everywhere at all times, at all points. There is nothing that is out of his jurisdiction. There is nothing that he doesn't know. There is nothing that he can't handle. He is God. He is sovereign. 
He does not sleep nor slumber. So there's no need for me to be up at three o'clock in the morning trying to figure out how I'm going to solve the problem. I should just go to bed. (laughs) Because he that never sleeps nor slumbers is in charge of my circumstance. Hmm. So what is it in your life that you're waiting on to God for God to show up on? And I've got to say this uh, because there's been a shift in our culture over the last, I don't know, maybe you've noticed it before, but I, I just recently started to see this within the last four or five years. You know, there, 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 there's a shift where, where, where people uh, have this sense of entitlement on them. entitled right like they they like they go through whatever and 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 they don't believe that they're supposed to have to deal with am I talking right Uh uh-huh yeah just just entitled and 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 one thing that that my grandmother raised me on is don't have a sense of entitlement don't don't have a sense of entitlement because everything that you have is by God's grace. Amen. So 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 this makes the problem worse when you're going through it if you have entitlement on you. Hmm. Because you feel like I, I don't deserve this. You know those kind of people? I don't have to put up with this. I can't believe that I am going through, right? Have you ever met those kind of people, right? Amen. You know some of those kind of people? I, 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 I don't understand why. You're not designed to always understand what God is doing and how God is doing it. Well, I don't, I don't get why this is a problem, and I don't understand why. Hold on a minute. The, 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 the entitlement leads them to believe that they have preferential treatment. Hmm? You know, those people would like everybody's waiting in line and, and somebody just comes up and just like, what are you doing? The line is right there. I've been standing here for an hour and a half and you just walk up like, oh, but that's. In the natural, but it's also that way spiritually. People believe that they have preferential treatment. That they're not supposed to go through what they're going through. And so the word tells us in verse 18, and I'm just going to walk this down and, and get out of your way. Am I all right so far? I got, it. I got, I got a few more minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Grandma. I can always count on Grandma. The Bible says in verse 18 that Jesus was about a mile away. Hold on. Wait a minute. Your boy is is sick and he's died and and you're just a mile away. You you mean to tell me you couldn't put those Air Jerusalems to, to work and... Find your way to Bethany, Jesus. <laughs> Finally, Jesus, 
tells them that he, he's ready to go. And he goes down to Bethany and he says something so critical. He says, I am glad. Now, this don't sound like a nice Jesus. This just don't sound like a nice Jesus. He says, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Ouch. To the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. I'm glad for your sake that I was not there. That don't sound like the Jesus I know. But he says, I'm glad that I was not there for you, your sake, for the intent that you might believe. Believe what, Jesus? I'm glad you asked. Stay with me, I'll tell you. And when he, when he shows up, finally, he finally gets on the scene. Jesus is finally there. Right. He is met by professional mourners. Yeah. See, in that day, in that time, people would come from all over and wail and cry. Many of them had no association to the family at all. Can you believe that? This is true. This is history. <laughs> no association to the family at all, but added to the grief. Lord, have mercy. Do y'all know people like that? <laughs> oh, I can't believe this happened to you. Oh, what are you going to do now? Oh, this is terrible. Oh, I don't know what I would have done. Y'all know people like that? No solution at all, no help at all, no encouragement at all. Don't make you feel good, don't make you feel better. Just, oh, I don't know what I would have done. Oh. Y'all can laugh, it's okay. I don't know. Oh, listen, where you're going in the second half of this year, you got to get rid of those professional mourners. You got to tell those people, hey, listen, 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 I appreciate you. You know, you, you've been good to me, but, but it's time for you to go. Matter of fact, just, just preempt them and just start waving bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. Appreciate you. Hey, hey, no, no, I can't meet with you. <laughs> no, I know we can't do dinner. I'm busy. You might not be doing anything. But it's worth, it's worth you closing that off. Because, thank you, Holy Spirit, you are already in a struggle. Wow. You are already in a circumstance and in a problem. And here they come. Oh, I don't know. Oh. Right? Just, just whining. Just crying. Just having their own personal pity party. And then they show up to you and they just... You, before you know it, you're sitting there like, I don't know either. <laughs> but that's not what this is designed for. This is not designed for you to go down. This is designed for you to come up. 
So you got to get rid of them. If they're not speaking life into your present situation, if they're not encouraging you, if they're not moving you forward in your mind and in your heart and in your emotions and how you feel, right? Even though things are not based on how you feel. If you're not, if you, if you have to deal with that, tell them bye-bye. Huh? Say amen to that. So, so, so we have this problem. Because Jesus didn't show up when Lazarus was sick. Jesus didn't show up when Lazarus died. Jesus missed the wake. <laughs> Jesus missed the funeral. Jesus missed the burial. Hmm. I need to say that again. We have a serious problem because Jesus didn't show up to his boy's sickness. He didn't show up to his death. You know, if I'm your, if I'm your boy, if I'm your best friend, if I'm your guy, I want to be right there on the side of the bed when you take your last breath. But Jesus wasn't there. They got all the cards and all the pound cake. Everybody was dressed appropriately in black. And Jesus didn't show up to the funeral. Jesus didn't even make the graveside service. Y'all talk to me in here. Mercy. And when he gets there, Martha runs out to him and she makes a statement that's really an accusation. And she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Oh, my goodness. Oh, if you had been here, this would not have happened. My brother would not have died. But even now, watch this, watch the conflict that's, that's in Martha. She says, but even now, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. The conflict in her, she is mad. She is, she is indignant. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But because you're here now, finally, whatever you say. How many of you feel like that? It's okay. It's okay. How many of you feel like that? I felt like that. He says to her, your brother will rise again. And she says, yeah, I understand that in the resurrection. But Jesus is speaking to now. He says to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whatsoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Martha, what do you believe? What do you believe, Martha? Mary, Mary comes out and meets him and repeats the same message, only she's crying. You do remember now, this is the same Mary that, that anointed and washed Jesus' feet. 
this gets to Jesus because he begins to weep. The Bible, the Bible says something very, very powerful. Jesus wept. You know, I had to say Bible verses before I could get my food in my grandmother's house. And I had to think of like the shortest one. And that was it. Jesus wept. And I started snatching chicken off the table. <laughs> Jesus weeps. He weeps because of the serious unbelief of who he was. And he wept because the Bible says later that we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. How we feel is important to him. The Bible tells us without compromise that he understands right where we are. Hmm. It is a matter of belief. Do you believe for the now or are you looking for the later on? Hmm. And once something is dead in that day, what did they do? They rolled a stone in front of it. They rolled a stone in front of it. Back to that thing that you think is dead in your life. Believing sometimes is hard. And it's almost, listen to me carefully, it's almost a relief to know that something has died. What do you mean? When you believe something to be dead, you don't have to tend to it anymore. Hmm. You don't have to put effort and energy into it anymore because you believe that it's dead. You believe that it's over. You've done the very best that you can. And now I'm going to put it away and I'm going to roll a stone in front of it so that I don't have to look at it anymore. I don't have to be bothered with it anymore. I don't have to deal with it anymore. It's over. It's done. Now I can turn my attention to something else. Say amen to that. But Jesus walking on the scene, he says, show me where you laid him. Hmm. Show me where you laid him. I know the problem is bad. It's dead. By all circumstances. And anything that's dead starts to stink, right? <laughs> so they roll the stone in front of it. And Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that.
that you hear me. I know that you can hear me. But for the benefit of these people around me, I need you to do something. He commanded, watch this, he commanded the same people that rolled the stone in front of the tomb to roll the stone away from the tomb. Have you rolled the stone in front of your problem this morning? Can God ask you to roll the stone away from your problem this morning? He says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that you hear me. I know that you hear me. I know that you and me are connected. I know that I am on mission. I know that I'm doing exactly what you've called me to do in the earth. But for the benefit of those around me, I need you to do something. And he says it very plainly. Lazarus, come forth. Hmm. Now, he had already been there three days. He was wrapped up in grave clothes. And when, when Jesus asked them to show him where they laid him, the sister said, hey, man, he's already been in there three days. What are you talking about? Roll the stone away. Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come forward. <laughs> There is a method behind what seems to be God's madness. There is a reason why he waited. The reason why he waited is because God has chosen you to be a candidate for the demonstration of his power. To be a candidate for the demonstration of his power. He knows that you love him. He knows that you have a place in your heart and your house for him. But he wants to know if he can use you. Let, let, me, let me bring it into today's terms. If he can use you as a case study. <laughs> Everybody got case studies, you know, things are going on. And you look at what happened and how, how it he wants to know if he can use you as a case study. He wants you to understand that he has the ability to call that thing back to life and to bring it out of grave clothes. Because the Bible tells us that when Lazarus came forward, he came forward hopping because he couldn't walk because of the grave clothes were so tight on him. And he made the people who were the professional mourners who were there uh -huh, untie him. <laughs> and the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him. And let him go. Hmm. Unwrap him and let him go. Everybody do like this. 
That is a faith move that God is unwrapping that dead thing in your life. <laughs> hmm. He knows that you love him. And I'm closing with this. He knows that you'll serve him. He wants to know if you'll wait on him. And, that, and if he can form a testimony in your life. And so that he can prove who he is and his glory. The Bible says later on in, in, in John, I believe, that there's another setting and Lazarus is just sitting at the table. <laughs> he's just sitting. He's not saying anything. He's not doing anything. Him and Jesus and some other folks are just sitting there. He's chilling. From a grave to a table. He's sitting there. Not saying a word. I'm going to close with this story. There's a story about a man who God called to push on a rock. And it was this big, giant boulder. And this man started pushing on this rock in the winter. It got really cold. He, he bundled up, but he was faithful to push on this rock every day. The rock didn't move in the winter, and he kept pushing on that rock until the springtime. Spring came. Grass grew up around the rock. He had allergies, so he had to take Zyrtec and all kinds of stuff, right? But he was faithful to keep pushing on this rock every day. Fall came and leaves started to fall from the trees and the grass around the rock started to wither. And he's wondering, man, I can't get this rock to move, but I know God called me to push this rock. So I'm just going to continue to do this. He's a little frustrated. And he goes out there and he begins to still push on this rock, and nothing happens. Finally, fall concludes, and he's right back at winter. And by now, he has had it. He is absolutely frustrated because he has pushed on this rock in the winter. He has pushed on this rock in the spring. He has pushed on this rock in the summer. And he is back to the winter. And he calls a meeting with God. He says, God, what is going on? You told me to push on this rock. And I was faithful to push on this rock in the wintertime. It was cold outside, but I did what you told me to do. I, I kept pushing on that rock, and I pushed all the way to spring. It was crazy. Bloodshot eyes, snotty nose eyes watering, everything, and I was still faithful to push on that rock. I pushed all the way to summer, and it got extremely hot, and I was three shades darker than what I was when I started. And nothing happened. It didn't move at all. And now I'm back here in 
the winter time and I'm, I, I'm, I'm out. I don't know what else to do with what you told me to do. And God says, yeah, I know. I know. Son, you, you did push on the rock in the wintertime, and it did get cold. And you kept pushing on it, and I observed everything that you did. You pushed all the way to spring, and it was crazy out there. Allergies and everything else you dealt with, but you were faithful to push on that rock. I, I, I understand. Summertime came, and it was definitely hot, and you fulfilled what I asked you to do by pushing on that rock. I, I understand the frustration. And now we're back here at winter, and it's cold again, and you're out there, and you're pushing on this rock. I get it. I understand. But let me show you something, son, that you may not have observed. Look at your arms now in relation to what they were when you first started pushing on this rock. Look at your chest in relationship to what it was when you first started pushing on this rock. Look at your legs when you first started pushing on the rock in comparison to now. Look at your calf muscles. Look at your feet. Look at your hands. Look at everything that has developed as a result of you pushing on the rock. Son, I called you to push on the rock. I did not call you to move the rock. Hmm. And because you have been faithful pushing the rock, I will move the rock. That's what this whole thing has been about for you. God building you in a way that when he puts you in your next place, your next level, you'll be able to stand up underneath the pressure that comes with the next level. Who am I speaking to? As I close, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for people who came into this room this morning saying, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to If you don't take care of this, if you don't do this, if you don't, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I, I, I used to tell people all the time, I'm, I'm, I'm fresh out. <laughs> Where you are is a candidate, is a good place. It's a candidate for God's blessing and miracle. Because God needs space to feel. As long as we have the idea, as long as we have what we think should work, as long as we're under the hood of that problem tinkering, right, moving wrenches and ratchets and all kinds of stuff, God will stand off and say, hey, you got it. But when you've exhausted everything that you know, everything that you can do, everything that you, every relationship every phone call every email every text message that you can send and you close the hood on that problem and say god you got it 
that's when God will show up. Everybody's standing.